BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Work Party, the mini-sode. In these mini-sodes, we'll be sitting down with some of the many brilliant women who have work partied their way to the top. We'll be asking for their best entrepreneurial advice for women like you who are creating and cultivating the career of their dreams. Whether you're running the show or balancing your side hustles, we are giving you the Real Talk business advice you need. Today's Work Party mini-sode is coming live from the main stage at Create and Cultivate Chicago. I had the absolute pleasure to share the stage with Allie Webb for one of our keynote conversations at the conference. Allie is the fabulous founder of Drybar, which started as an at-home blowout service for her friends and family and is now a $100 million business. So let's hear how she did it from Allie herself. Let's welcome to the stage Allie Webb, founder of Drybar. You've even got fans. Yeah. Oh, no. We have Beyonce hair for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) I'm like, we have to have your hair looking bouncy and good. That's right. Wow. What a crowd. Yeah. Woo. Hi, guys. So Allie and I have like a really funny story. So I was actually listening to a podcast she did with our mutual friend, Hillary Kerr, uh, called Second Life. It's like Second Life. Um, And I realized we both grew up in Florida and we actually played on competitive teams against each other in high school. So such a small and funny world. But Floridians, are there any of you in here? Yes. What's up, Florida? So excited. Um, But I want to just start, you know, obviously everyone knows what Dry Bar is. I hope so. Can you? Yes, definitely. Um, But can you tell us a little bit about what your aha moment was with Dry Bar? Gosh, I feel like, I mean, I don't think I realized it back then, but when, and you know this story, when I was a little girl growing up in South Florida with like humid weather hair, my hair was always so frizzy and crazy. Hi, right now. Same, right? Um, And I, I hated my frizzy curly hair and used to beg my mom to blow out my hair and I was so mystified by like how supermodels always had like that perfect bouncy hair. Like how in the world did they get that? And I, so I think like that's when the seed truly was planted. And then, you know, fast forward to years later and after high school, not really wanting to go to college and that not being the right path. And just, it took me a long time to find my path. And um, I bounced around in a lot of other careers and it wasn't until I had two kids, I was a stay-at-home mom and thought I had like 
made it. I didn't have to work, and I thought it was like the greatest thing ever. But after five years of staying home, I just got the itch to do something for myself. So I started a mobile blow-dry business where I was running around LA, blow-drying all my mommy friends like while their babies were napping. And during that time, I realized like there was no place like Dry Bar. There was no place for women to go for a great blowout in a beautiful space for an affordable price. It didn't exist. And, and if you think about it, like if you think about our grandmothers and our grandmothers' generation, they used to go into the beauty parlor and get their hair coiffed and they wouldn't touch it for like a week. And somewhere along the line, that behavior kind of went away. And I just felt like I needed to bring it back and modernize it and, and you know, open an actual brick and mortar and a place where women could go for an affordable blowout in a, in a beautiful space and have a great experience. And, so I just kind of then felt like it was like my duty. I had to do this, you know, to bring this to women everywhere and really only thought it was going to be something that worked in L.A. But turns out women <laughs> everywhere want to have great hair. Yes. So it turned out, you know, obviously we have we have 107 shops across the country. Same. Three right here in Chicago. So the business has grown way more than we ever imagined or anticipated. And we feel like we, you know, captured lightning in a bottle. Yeah, and, and the reality is, is you created a disruptive business. You saw something that didn't exist, so you went out and created it yourself. But obviously doing that is very challenging. So what were some of the challenges early on in, in launching Drybar? Well, first and foremost, we launched Drybar in 2010. So if you remember, 2010, we were in the middle of a recession. So women were cutting back on, on everything. And you know, for me, my parents had their own business and I have that entrepreneurial blood, but this was a brand new concept. And we couldn't, I mean, we had to personally, my brother, who's my business partner, and I had to personally guarantee that first lease because nobody knew what a blow dry bar was. Nobody thought it was a particularly good idea. And it's, I mean, maybe ladies, most of the men I was talking to were like, what the hell is a blowout? Um, so it took some time to get traction. And then, you know, raising money and figuring out the millions and millions of decisions and things that have to be done to start a business. And it's, it's quite an education for someone who doesn't have a fancy college degree or an MBA. You know, you really, I've learned so much on the job and just <laughs> through sheer perseverance, getting it done and, you know, and figuring out how to open the store and finding people who knew things I didn't, who would help me along the way, you know, using networking as much as I could. And, um, you know, I thought it was going to kill me to open up that first store, but we did it. And it was like, the reaction was unbelievable. We had, you know, women lining up. It was just, we knew in that first day that we were onto something. So you said that you obviously, you and your brother went out and fundraised money. Um, obviously, fundraising is a big topic here. Everyone's an entrepreneur. So can you tell us a little bit about that process? And, and like you said, you're pitching this business to men uh, who don't necessarily understand the concept. So what advice would you have for women who are looking to raise money for their business? So I think it's, it starts with like finding the right people to raise money with. I mean, our initial the initial money that we use, actually, my brother, who, if you have a brother who has some money stored away, go to him first, um, or friends and family. But, you know, once we started raising, like, big money, private equity money, like, in the millions, then it was much more challenging because I'm, I'm sitting in a room with a bunch of men in suits who were like, again, what the hell is a blowout? You know, some of them kind of knew, but it was definitely a, a hard thing. And I felt like most of those meetings we took in those early days were very, like, this isn't right. I didn't want to take just a big check from somebody. I wanted it to be, 
somebody that we felt would partner with us and teach us the things that we didn't know about running and scaling and growing a business, which is now the size of Drybar. So it was very intimidating. And I think finding, you know, we had a couple of people that were helping and guiding us, other investment bankers who didn't have skin in the game and it didn't really matter who we invested with, who were guiding us during through this what's called a process when you're raising that kind of money and say, you know, trying to help us get to the right people who are in it because they love the brand and what we're about and don't want to change it and really understand it. Where the majority of the people that I met, we met in the beginning, they were just like, and it was never going to be a good relationship. So, you know, taking money from someone is like a marriage and you have to be really sure that it's the right person. And it took, even once we decided that we were going to take the investment from Castanea, who's our private equity company in Boston, it was still then a year of figuring the deal terms out, you know, because there's a lot of protection. So it's a lot. And that's when you have to lawyer up and find lawyers. And it's a process. But And it sounds overwhelming and daunting. But you find those people along the way that can really help you. And you can't be afraid to reach out for help. So obviously, once you got funding, you built a team around you. Um, who were some of the key hires, obviously, besides your brother, that really were a game changer for the business early on? Well, I think for us, part of the key was hiring ahead of the curve and hiring before we needed that person. So we weren't in like a panic and like the sky was falling. You know, we hired a president of retail was our first big hire. And we were still really small. We had like maybe seven or eight stores. And I remember thinking like, we're hiring this woman too soon because like we can handle it. But then within like two months, we had three more stores and like I couldn't handle it anymore. And so, you know, hiring ahead of the curve, people who know the things that you don't. And for us, you know, this woman that we had hired had come from Pinkberry and she had opened however many Pinkberries there were. And that was like the hot thing. And she really understood how to grow and scale and put systems in place in our stores where we didn't know how to. And, you know, all these things that were just getting so big and exciting, you know, we didn't know how to do. So we recognized the fact that we didn't know how to do that stuff and we needed someone to help come in and like lock arms with us and help us and guide us. And, and it kind of went like that. I mean, now we have a professional CEO who's been with us for, gosh, four years. And although I, I didn't, I was a little, um, not sure about that hire either, <laughs> or at least the process of hiring a professional CEO, but now it also turned out to be a great thing. Sometimes you just have to like move over and realize that you need help where you may not think you did. Hiring before you need it is such great advice. It's so true. It's something I'm terrible at. <laughs> it's it's like I want to be better, but it's hard because all of a sudden you're like, I need someone to do this right now, right this second, and then you're not going to go through the hiring process correctly. And it takes a long, if you're doing a I believe if you're doing your job right, you're talking to a lot of people, you're vetting a lot of people. So it's, it, do, it can take six months to hire for a really you know, important position. So yeah, you gotta start thinking about it earlier than you think. So I was lucky enough to interview Allie for my new book, Work Party. Um, and she said something so amazing in it, and it really resonated with me. And you said, you can't beat hard work even if you copy it. And the reality is, is obviously when you come up with something great, people will try to knock it off. It's just the reality of doing business. How do you deal with copycats? I love them. Just kidding. I don't love them. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, I, I, if I'm being really honest, in the beginning when 
when we first opened Dry Bar and people were coming in our shops and people were so excited, I would, and I would probably do the same thing today. I will talk to you for an hour about my business and why I think it'll work and what, what's working and what's not working. I'm a bit of an open book and probably a little naive. And so when we first opened Dry Bar, there was so much excitement, there was so much press, there was so much going on that I was talking to everybody about it. And then lo and behold, people started copying us and you know, probably taking a lot of what I said. And you know, I feel like in the early days, I remember there was a blow dry bar that opened literally down the street from our first location. And I used to like drive by in my car, like <laughs> kind of looking in. <laughs> They're like, it's that car again. Because I was like, man, are people gonna go there instead of us? And then, you know, and of course some people went there, but what I very quickly realized was that we, and I say this with a lot of humility, but I do believe we have a, a secret sauce. And you know, I've, I've been a long time hair stylist, 20 years I've been doing hair and, and trying to figure out how to perfect the blowout all that time. My, my brother, who's my business partner, is truly the business side of things and is getting leases done and handling spreadsheets and all the shit I hate. And my husband is a creative genius and he really came up with the branding. So it's not as easy as it looks. It's not like you find a space, hire some stylists, and some chairs and like, boom, you have a business and hope for the best. And so I, I think I started to realize that as I saw a lot of the copycats popping up that there, you know, and then sure enough, they would add like makeup and brows and all these other things, which, you know, our concept is very like, we do one thing, we do it really well, we focus on it 100%. To me, when I've seen other, you know, copycats open blow dry bars, but then eventually they're doing other services, I start to feel like, okay, you're not really cutting it. And it's not to say that we haven't had stores that have taken longer to ramp and longer to get busy, but we still, we keep pushing and pushing and marketing and figuring out how to get those stores to the next level and stay really focused. And, you know, there is, there is a secret sauce. It's not as easy as it looks. I totally agree. And uh, my dear friend Maxie said to me the other other week, she was like, there's a reason horses race with blinders, right? Like, eye on the prize, just That's look good. at that finish line. And I thought that was such a good piece of advice. So obviously, Dry Bar, well known for the physical locations. Um, but you eventually decided to launch your own product line. Can you tell us a little bit about that process? So when we first opened the store, I feel, I feel like I knew right away that I didn't love having this mixture of products from other lines, even though they were great products and I put the products that I loved the most as a longtime hairstylist in our shop. But they, they didn't all work together. And I felt like, again, back to us having those blinders on and we were focusing on one thing and doing one thing really well. And a lot of products would make hair heavy and then your blowout wouldn't last as long. And so there was lots of things that weren't working for what we had. So I felt very strongly about developing our own product line that was very made just for blowouts and making your blowout last. And it, but it wasn't until about four years into the business that we actually launched it. And Castanea, who I mentioned, who's our private equity guys, uh, Janet Gerwich, who's the founder of Laura Mercier Cosmetics, who I'm sure everybody's heard of, um, she had launched that brand and she, she was part of Castanea. And at the time we were being approached by like L'Oreal and Living Proof and other brands to like do like a co-branded line. And Janet said to me, if you don't take our money, just do your own product line. It'll be much better, much more lucrative. And so even though it was very intoxicating getting these offers from other big brands, we decided to, to do it ourselves. And um, 
my, my husband, who does all the branding and creative, started developing the outside of the bottles, and I started developing the insides of the bottles, what, the juice, and Janet was introducing me to all the best labs, which, you know, again, goes to show that, like, you gotta, sometimes you need the right people to get you into that door, and, and so Janet really did that, and, and it was great, because we were, the company was still so small, it was before we had the professional CEO, we, we didn't, I don't think we had a head of product, I mean, we were still kind of winging it, and, I remember wanting to do like custom bottles and Janet being like, it's too expensive, you can't do it. But I was like, we're gonna do it. And you know, we, we didn't make any money on the product for probably like the first two years because we had spent so much in those early days developing and not caring about margins because we didn't think about margins <laughs> until we hired you know, people who were like, we gotta bring down the margins. And like, you know, this bottle looks great, okay? Yeah, it looks great. And I felt like I had one chance, like one shot for the product to be the best it could be, for it to look the best it could be. Like we could not spare anything. And, and you know, it did launch very strong and we launched with Sephora and it, it was selling out and it was crazy. And so now, you know, Kim, our head of product came in and we have figured out how to lower our margins. and. <laughs> The, the product business is very healthy now. <laughs> um, so you did launch a collaboration though recently with Too Faced. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and what, what, what do you think about when you think about partnerships and collaborations? Well, Too Faced is one of the first big collabs that we did and I think that being in this world, this beauty world that I'm in and love so much, I've, I've had the great fortune and opportunity to meet so many other amazing founders like Jared from Too Faced and he, they were launching their 20th anniversary glitter collection and I love anything with glitter. And so we were trying to come up with something that was like very complimentary to what Too Faced is doing. And, and I don't know if you guys have seen, but we just launched glitter spray, which is, yeah, somebody likes it. Um, <laughs> and it's really just a fun product that it actually has gold and silver glitter in it. So it goes in your hair nicely. And, and I loved doing it. It's such a fun way to like spread the love. And now we're, we are talking to other brands. I can't tell you who, Ooh. but it's still a very top secret about doing other, you know, collabs because obviously like hair and beauty merge so well that we're exploring other opportunities and, you know, it's like you care just as much about your makeup as your hair. So, so yeah. I love that. So you recently launched a podcast with your brother, Raising the Bar, yes. which I'm on. Jacqueline was on. She'll so be on much soon. Fun. I was trying to be like the third sister or whatever, like in the mix. I was like, hi guys, are we all family? They were we're like, all no. from Florida. So it was like one big happy family. It was. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about the podcast, what we can expect and what it's like working with your brother. Well, did we fight when you were there? Uh, did we bicker? Yeah, we bicker, like most brother and sister. But it's it's funny because we're we could not be more opposite. He's also bald and has like he and he knows more more about hair than any like straight guy should ever know. Same with my husband, also bald. Um, but the the podcast is so fun because, as you can imagine, and I'm sure you get this too, I get approached all the time through email and you know. Instagram, everything, people asking for advice, like how did you raise money? How did you scale your business? Like how do you know when it's time to hire? Like branding, all of that. And as much as I would love to have coffee with everybody who writes and asks me those things, because I, I want to be able to give back, it just obviously there's not enough time in the day. So we decided to start a podcast where we could really give tangible advice to entrep other entrepreneurs out there. So a lot of the show is based on us kind of talking about our own experience at Drybar, answering questions that I get through DM and email, and then bringing on 
entrepreneurs like Jacqueline and talking about how they built their business, the struggles that they have, what makes it work, what are the hard parts, and you know, people that you've heard of like Jacqueline, but then companies and, and entrepreneurs who are just getting started and are just like, ah, I need help. And it's, what's been interesting to me is a lot of the people that we've, we, we kind of take for granted, and I'm sure you do this too, like you just know at this point, I'm eight years in, almost nine years in, that I know all the things that we had to do to become successful. And you just kind of almost forget about them. And then when you're sitting in some, with somebody who's like, has, I won't say who, but this brand that was like so excited about, and they have got such a great brand, but they, they haven't really hired PR. I'm like, you haven't hired PR? You know, and I also have a little bit of a background in PR. So to me, it's like, you, that's like the first thing you do. And it, it just wasn't like, you know, like common knowledge to them. And, and it was interesting to me to learn how people, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. So that's kind of what I think the podcast really serves as, is like bridging the gap of some of these things that, how would you know? You know? Yeah, no, it's so true. And it's so, it's so funny because it is essentially becomes inside baseball a little bit. And you're like, oh, yeah, like that's what you would do. But yeah, I mean, PR is one of those things where um, I remember when I started my first company, which was like a marketing agency, someone was like, you should hire a PR company. I'm like, for my marketing agency? Like, what? what? But it was a game changer for my business. And so you had a background in PR. So when you were in New York, you worked in PR a little bit. How did that, maybe did that help you at all when you were launching the business, kind of in the back of your mind? Yeah, totally. And it's funny now that I'm, older and wiser, Um, you know, all those, I feel like every job I did, and I didn't realize it at the time, was really informing who, you know, I became as a grown-up, and I worked in PR in my early 20s, and, and I, you know, really, because I didn't have a fancy college degree, like I mentioned, and I had never, like, I mean, email was still kind of new then, and I, you know, I was just like, I wasn't a writer, and I worked in PR, and I think that's really where I actually learned how to, like, write and compose an email and write press releases, which was, like, something I'd never done. So it was a great thing and experience for me to, to be able to learn how to, like, get that skill going where it was something that I didn't, wouldn't have thought I needed and something I wasn't really even paying attention to at the time. But I'm a big believer in that, that, like, all the steps we take in our lives are important and for something, even if we can't see it, you know? And that's kind of how I felt about working in PR. I, I learned a lot that I didn't realize I was learning, just like working in my parents' clothing store when I was a, a kid and having to sweep the floors and do all the stuff that I hate doing. You know, I was getting this education that I didn't even realize I was getting. So piggybacking on that a little bit, obviously we've all read a lot about the successes you've had, but there's always failures, there's always bumps in the road. Um, Was there ever a moment where you thought we're not gonna make it or something really bad happened that you guys were able to overcome? Well, I think there's there's a lot of little things like that that happen, you know, where we feel like, you know, sometimes like I'm, I'm really very, like crazy when we get a complaint. Like if someone comes into Driver and they didn't have a great experience and they come to us and tell us and then I'm like, well, there's, there's one woman who's telling us it wasn't a great experience and there's probably like a hundred other women who felt that way but aren't telling us and like the whole thing's over and you know, you can't operate like that but I'm such a people pleaser and I want everybody to have a great experience and everybody to be happy. So, you know, I think it's like, it's measured in lots of little ways and we certainly have, store, have had stores that have taken longer to ramp and to get busy where we thought like, oh man, 
maybe women of this city don't like blowouts, you know, which once we put a little more marketing behind it and we tried a couple of things, like it, then we got them in and it worked. I mean, even surprisingly, Northern uh, California, not San Francisco proper, but like outside San Francisco, like the Silicon Valley and all that, like we, that took, a, that business took a long time to grow. And I think it was like, it's a little bit more granola and like, and I love it there, but like women weren't, didn't seem to be as, concerned with blowouts as we would have liked them to be. And so it was a lot of perseverance to get that, those stores, that market off the ground, which, you know, it's not always easy. And it, it does take some work and it does take, in that case, it kind of was needing new leadership and we had wrong management in that, which we didn't realize at first. You know, it's like paying attention to the things that aren't working and, and being open to fixing them and taking feedback as much as it hurts and, and doing something with it. Feedback is so crucial. So you work with your husband and your brother. I think a lot of people get into business with friends and family, right? Because they're passionate about what you're passionate about. What advice do you have for people who are in a partnership with a friend or a family member? Stay in your lane. I think that's my best piece of advice, whether you're working with a friend. And I actually did have a business before Drybar that was with one of my best friends. and. It did not work out, but I don't think we had very clearly defined like rules and what what each one was doing. You know, with Drybar, I'm clearly the hair part of things, the customer service, and my brother handles a lot more of like the negotiating leases and business side, and my husband's the the branding. And so we're all very respectful of each person's role, and I think that's an important thing when you have a partner is like very clearly defined roles so that you know, you're not stepping on each other's toes all the time. You know, if you're both really good at one thing, I don't, I'm sure it can work in certain instances, but I think it's harder to delineate who's doing what and, and, and to feel empowered. And ultimately the decision when it came to something that was like a hair thing would be mine. And if it was a creative decision, it would be Cameron's, even though we'd all talk about it and hash a lot of things out. At some point you've just got to say, okay, we're going to trust the guy who's doing all the branding and creative to make that decision. So speaking of the branding and creative, it's obviously such a strong brand and like every little thing is thought of. Like that's the one thing I always noticed when I went to Drybar, like the fact that there's plugs to charge your devices, like the fact that there's Wi-Fi. How strategic were all those decisions early on and how did, what role did you play in that decision making? They were super, they were super strategic. And for me, I feel like I come from this business as a hairstylist. And so I know how hairstylists think and what they want. And then I'm also like the pickiest client you'll ever meet. So I was trying to think with both of those hats on. So it was like, we needed to have like enough space for the stylist to feel like they could work comfortably. I think the iPhone chargers was my brother's idea, which was like a last minute ad. So uh, smart. And like the flat screen TVs that play chick flicks. Like I think honestly, I had been in like a random nail salon somewhere in the world and there was sex in the city with subtitles playing. And I was like, this is, this manicure is much more enjoyable watching Sarah Jessica Parker, you know, rather than just staring at my manicures. And so I think it, that was like years before dry bar, but you know, it's like you make mental notes of things that you love in the world. And, um, and so, you know, it was like an accumulation of all of the things that all, all of us felt like would make the brand stronger. I knew I wanted it to be a bar. I knew I didn't want it to be a traditional hair salon setup where you're sitting in front of a mirror and staring at yourself for 45 minutes because we are women after all and like some we kind of micro we kind of get like 
in, like, oh, I look tired, I look fat, like all the things we do to ourselves. So to take that away and say, you know, I'm gonna just watch a movie and zone out instead of like, you know, picking myself apart. I felt like that was a much better experience for a woman. And, and I think that I largely built this around what I personally wanted, which I think is how great businesses are born out of personal necessity and something that you wish existed or even does exist, but you feel like you could probably do it a little bit better. You know, I think that's, that's how I came from the business. And it was a risk. I mean, if you've been to Drybar, you know that the mirrors are behind the stations, which really threw everybody. I remember being like, women are not going to like this because we're just so, we were so conditioned to looking in the mirror and being able to like micromanage our stylist if we needed to. But I was like, I just want to take all that away, which I had gotten from my mobile business of doing women in like their living room or kitchen, not in front of a mirror. And so, you know, when we would turn them around, turn you around, then you see your hair for the first time and you're like, whoa. And it's this great moment that happens that I was wanting to, you know, create. And luckily it worked. But I mean, I'll never forget that first day when women came in and they're like, where are the mirrors? And I was like, no, they're there. And if you really want to face a mirror, we can turn you around and do your blowout. But just trust the process. And luckily... They did. I love that. I was going to say, I get so much work done at dry bars. Like, yeah. I just sit and email. I'm like a monster. I'm probably like their worst client. So I'm just like, it's funny because some but... women will tell me, like, I, you know, I don't have time to go to dry bar. I'm like, girl, it is saving you time. It's like 45 minutes in your bathroom, give or take. You know, you can catch up on those early morning emails but... and then look amazing and bounce out the door. It's, it's the best. So, we're going to do some sentence finishers. Ooh, fun. <laughs> the best advice I ever received was. Feedback is a gift. When I look back at my success, I think... Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe we did this. I really do think that. I mean, if, I think... I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but my brother and I text pretty frequently, and I'd say, like, every, like, three months or so, we text each other, like, can you fucking believe what we did? <laughs> and I feel like that's how... Like, every now and again, like, something major happens where we're like... Whoa, you know, so that. I yeah. love that so much because I feel like that's such like a real talk moment. Like, this is nuts. Like, how did we, we get do? Here? It's like something major will happen. And, you know, we've had so many amazing opportunities come our way, <laughs> you know, and then sometimes we're just like, damn, I can't believe. I mean, truly, we're like, it's like, I remember being in New York City a couple years ago and walking through New York with my husband, and we must have passed like four dry bar locations. And I was like, it's, it's like I had like an out of body. I was like, those are ours. You know, it's weird. It's so I love that so much because I think that's such a testament to the type of entrepreneur you are as well. So one thing I would have done differently is. You know, I get asked that question a lot and I feel like I don't think I would have done a lot differently. You know, I mean, there's little things along the way, like. If I'm being really honest, I probably wouldn't have given away as much equity in the early days, but nobody knew if this whole thing was going to work or not. So that is another story <laughs> that I can't really get into. But, I, but, you know, honestly, it's like we did make mistakes and there's things that weren't great, but I, I wouldn't change any of it. You know, I mean, there's mistakes and things that you learn from and you keep moving and you keep growing, but, but I wouldn't change anything. An inspiring Instagram account I follow is? Create and cultivate. Oh, <laughs> shameless plug. Shameless plug. I do really, though. No, thank I you. constantly steal quotes from Create and Cultivate because they're always so good and they always like look so good, which, you know, your branding is so good, which. Thank you. Truly, I'm not just blowing smoke because I'm sitting up here. <laughs> I swear. I mean, you guys know it. You're all, I mean, there's so many women here. 
it's it's such a testament to like how important branding is like uh, it drives me crazy when I walk in a business that could be so great if they took the time to like care about the details and that discovery. And you guys have done that geniusly where it's like, even today when I got here and I was walking around, I was like, oh, look at that, look at that. And it's like, everything's branded. And you know, it goes such a long way to, you know, people loving and falling in love with your brand as they fall in love with, with the branding and the creative. And I honest, I didn't know that all my life. You know, I only knew that once we started Drybar and I had a husband who had worked in advertising long before I, you know, I started Drybar. But I remember him telling me like our first Valentine's Day in Drybar, he's like, you can't, I wanted to put like pink flowers because it was Valentine's Day. And he's like, you can't put pink flowers. They have to be yellow. And I was like, Oh, and, and it was, I was like, you're right. It does have to be yellow, damn it. And, and everything like, you know, and I really learned over time. And then I started to really notice it in other businesses. And you just find that you want to be in those places where, because I think you feel like someone, someone really gave a shit and yeah. someone really cares. And so if they care about the way their, their space looks, they, they're going to care about what happens to you in their space, you know? Absolutely. My team is like, oh, you give such a shit all the time. Like, I, I care it's so exhausting. I'm like, why is this here? This should be here. It's exhausting, but you walk into a place and you know they put the effort in and the experience will follow. And you know if, like, whatever kind of business it is, if you have a bad experience, there's a, probably a very good chance there's a manager or somebody there that's going to care and say, let me make this right for you. Other, if if there, that stuff isn't in place, there's probably not somebody that's going to give a shit. Okay, so final question. What is next for Ali Webb? Well, I'm working on a couple of new things, but not a lot of things I can talk about yet, damn it. It's worse. I know. Um, but, you know, I'm definitely, uh, you know, exploring kind of new opportunities. We have a lot of stuff that we're working on with Drybar. We're, we're looking at international expansion. We have a lot happening in the product space, new collaborations coming. The podcast has been kind of a new world for me. It's like my first entree into, like, you know, talk show host. And you were maybe. on the cover of Inc. Magazine, correct? Yes. What yes. was that like? I mean, it, it doesn't get much better than being on the cover of a magazine. It was, was that a holy amazing. shit text? Oh my God. I mean, and I actually found out, so it's funny because you find out like two or three months before you shoot the cover and then you can't, and you can kind of tell people, but then it's another two or three months until it comes out. So it's like this, you're like sitting on this and so excited. And, you know, it was really, um, I remember seeing, you know, people like Jessica Alba and Sarah Michelle Geller and, um, you know, Whitney Wolf and women who I knew were friends of mine, but on the cover of magazines for their great businesses and being like, damn it, I want to be on those too. And, and just being one of those things that you put out in the universe, I think, which is funny, me and my brother might have talked about this, that he doesn't believe in the secret or manifesting <laughs> stuff, but I do. And, you know, I feel like Drybar changed an industry and we didn't necessarily mean to, but we did. And it's been so much hard work and perseverance. And so that cover felt especially nice. Well, as a testament to Ali, I did not find out about the cover on your feed. I found out about it because 100 million amazing women posted about it to support you. And you're such a support to women everywhere, myself included. So can we give a huge round of applause for Ali Webb? Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for new Work Party mini dropping every Sunday.